What's up, those boys, fans, friends, family, mom, dads, brothers, sisters, husbands, wives, children, um, grandparents, grandparents, dogs, um, dogs, cats, cats. mouse, cats is a big one. We love cats, cows, all of the pets. Subscribe, please Please. subscribe, like the the video. Um, I'm just gonna say it because we're here. You know the algorithm. We blame the algorithm for how things have been looking lately. And so I'm going to ask you to help us out here. Go ahead and subscribe. Go ahead yeah. and like this video. Yeah. Because um, if you're watching it, if you're even watching the long form, which is the cast right now, then like it. Yeah. Just like, why are you even here? Yeah. We're getting like 30 or 40 plays. Also, the algorithm is so wild. The internet is so wild. If you happen to stumble on our video, I think it's for a reason. If you saw him just say that, if you saw Zach just say that, then just stumble along to the like yeah, button. Yeah, yeah. Just just keep falling into the rabbit hole and hit the subscribe button. We're not going anywhere. No. We're going to keep doing this. Yeah. What sucks is when you get like little plays, but then you don't stop. I know. It's like the greatest sucky thing ever. It's mm-hmm. like, we're not going to stop. No. We don't need plays to keep going. No. But we do appreciate the like button being hit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have to be hit. It's not like, yeah, oh, no. next week we're not going to show up unless let's we get go. this. Let's, yeah, exactly. Like, it's, we're going to be here no matter what. No matter what. And you know what? We're going to go low to high here. Three, two, one. Subscribe. You do. I just, I, bounced off I just kept it nice and shaky. Now you held your note pretty well, actually. Zach, nice to see you tonight. It is nighttime-ish. It is. It's in the evening. Um, your hair looks good. It That's does good. look. Uh, one thing I've noticed about your look is it's consistent. Mm. You know, you're very well consistent. Look, mm. the hair, the face, the brows, the eye contact, mm. the beard. Mm. You look good, buddy. Thanks, man. Pretty guy over here. Pretty guy. I'm, I am pretty. Yeah, and you are a guy. That's how you I am, identify. I am a dude. Yeah, and you're a pretty one. I'm a pretty dude. Does, does it uh, make you feel weird if I call you pretty? It used to back when I was younger. Now I'm like, dude, so many 30-year-olds aren't pretty. I think you are pretty. Look at your face right now. Look into the camera. Look right into the camera. Give me the prettiest face you can make. <laughs> Oh, that was pretty cute. That's cute. That's Cole's. Yeah. That's Cole's cute. Yeah. Uh, Balenciaga. <laughs> yeah. Balenciaga. <laughs> What's funny is that there's that new movie. H&M. <laughs> that reminds me of that movie, uh, Triangle of Sadness. I know. I just watched it. Oh. Yeah, that's how I got it. It's pretty good. So good. Have you good. watched White Lotus yet? Uh, we haven't gotten into it. Oh, is, it is it pretty good? That's the soundtrack. Oh, you cool. wouldn't know, but when you do watch it... So I'm having a tough Hands time. Down. Best I'm, writing I've ever. I'm having a tough time with uh, getting motivated to watch it because I work at a place where people like this go, and I think it's going to trigger me. No, yeah. So Megan and I, when we watch, I think that's why Megan really liked it. But it was funny because it triggers me from remembering of how things were in the past mm. uh, when I worked in like five star stuff. But like, yeah, you guys are actively living the white lotus yeah. life. But Megan's half Indian and half white. And so I've been calling it the brown lotus mm. for her. For her. Yeah, for her. I like it. Yeah. I don't know. Should I take that out? I think it's risky. Because it's Megan. It's my fiance. I mean, like, we make a lot of jokes about being Italian and half Indian and all that. But 
I, I think it's funny. <laughs> He's like immediately covering it. Like, do I, do I, can I keep that one? Uh, the brown lotus. I thought it was funny the first time I said it. You know, I was like, everybody have a good night at work. Enjoy the brown lotus. And she was like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it'd be funny if we took the, uh, the cover for the TV show and then asked one of the AI, like Dolly 2 or something, to change it into all Indians and mm, see what happens. Yeah. So now that's racist. Yeah, you can cut that. Why would you want to do that, Zach? Because then it would be the brown, <laughs> the brown Lotus. It'd be funny. And then we can make a parody of it. I just have this it. weird feeling that I'm going to end up wanting to take this out. Probably. I've, I want to keep it. Uh, the more we're on the internet, the more it's like, what should we say? And what, what shouldn't sh- we yeah, say? Exactly. <laughs> well, when it comes to Megan and I, all of our like barriers go down. Like Not all of them, but we make fun of each other a lot. Um, but yeah, uh, the triangle of sadness, it's a little close to like all of these things, like you serving at a five-star resort, you are the person in these shows where like the, sh- it does the B-roll shot where it's like cutting a scene, like one scene to another scene. And it shows like the people on the boat scrubbing the deck or mm-hmm. somebody like making the hors d'oeuvres or setting the napkins. And I'm like, there's Zach and Megan. Mm-hmm. Those are them. You guys yeah. are the B-roll. That's why it feels now. When I see things like that, that whole movie was kind of triggering until they got to the beach. And then I was like, yeah, serves them right. It's such a good movie. That was a great, a great film. I had a tough time with the ending. H&M. Good on Tiago. H&M. It's good. Yeah, well, we don't have to do these spoilers. Go watch it. Triangle of Sadness, independent film. Fantastic. White Lotus. Great TV show. Season two. Watch it. Oh, there's two seasons of White Lotus. Yeah, you have to so, watch season one and season sweet. two. I got it. Oh, that was your clock. It did. It's doing well. Freaking fracking frigger. That's a Zach got us a new gift for those boys because he's constantly checking his watch. One of the things I've asked Zach just to kind of like work on, I'm working on it, is we have two cameras, middle camera, two mics. Uh, we got lights. And we have our Zoom recorder down underneath here. And it takes a lot of work to like keep everything moving. So Zach's constantly checking his watch, the timer, the clock, everything. And um, it's distracting him. So he got this gift where it's a clock like you would have in a gym. And it's already distracting everything. And he's, There we go. All right, just add five, add seven minutes. To that. Well, why did it reset? I have no idea. We'll figure it out later. Well, it's kind of pointless now. Uh, hopefully it doesn't do that every time. I don't know. It's a cool gift. Thanks, man. You seem a little disappointed in it. I mean, it just reset and made a bunch of beeping noises. I don't know why it would reset. That's really annoying. I mean, it can do a lot of features. It's a gym clock. And so you can do a lot of like... But we're um, a podcast. The I mean, gym's right over there. Crunk is over there. You don't understand how many... They don't have the many diverse clocks on the internet, dude. But thank you for the gift. Thanks, It's, a, it's a great idea. Right now, it's counting so we can see how long we've been up here. Why don't we jump into it? You want to get started today? Let's do it. Let's get right into it. Um, And you know what? Yeah. Let's get How about this? It. How about this? Uh, I want. I uh, just let's just role play for a second. Not role play. Let me just throw something at you that came into my head the other day about religious trauma, about something I've dealt with, and then you can bounce off that, and then we'll get into this. Perfect. So we we'll kind of like fall into it. Sounds good. I saw this commercial for this new Christian dating app, and it made me get this flashback to Christian Mingle. Remember Christian Mingle? Yeah. Christianmingle dot As a kid being raised for. Dude, a long period of my life. I think until about 17, I didn't. I realized I wasn't going to go on Christian Mingle because I thought that was going to be the only way I was going to meet a woman is that the family would accept. Really? Would be off Christian Mingle. That's what you would actually have those thoughts. Mm-hmm. How old were you? Until about 17. 17. Mm-hmm. You were thinking about ChristianMingle.com. I thought that was the only option. Because of Christian women? Because no one was Christian 
I had to be with a Christian woman. And the only way I could find one was through Christian Mingle. Interesting. Where mm-hmm. did you even hear about Christian Mingle? Commercials on TV. Was it commercials? It was, but it was just TV back then. I don't really have TV anymore, but... ChristianMingle.com. This is like before anything else. It was right after eHarmony came out. Oh, so eHarmony was like Match.com. Was e- eHarmony was the first one of matching people on the internet. And then Christian Mingle came out in the corner. You need to keep Are you asking Christians. like, like just to kind of bounce off of that? I mean, I, I never really had those thoughts mm. when it came to like me and like, I guess I didn't really think like, it was never like, meeting meeting somebody to be in love with or who am I going to be with was never like the like the hard thought for me it wasn't like an issue and I think that was just because I was really lucky to be surrounded by a lot of people in church and like youth groups girls guys and like there was plenty of experiences that like there was no shy of experiences between friends like nothing was what am I trying to say nothing was I never had a shy experience when it came to like exploration Mm. whether it be with like guys and girls in the youth group you know and like Meaning like, um, just like as kids do and like, and, uh, that's kind of confusing, but my point being like, I didn't think it'd be hard to find a a woman to get married to. I don't know. I think I was like too privileged. I was like, oh no, it's just, this is the way it goes. Men find a woman in the church. And like, so every youth event, like camps, you know, missionary trips, it was like, you know, like I'm here for Jesus. 99% 99% here for Jesus, 1% here for my future wife. Mm-hmm. Trying to find my future wife. I'm actually here 99% for my future wife, 1% here for Jesus. Trying to find my future wife. <laughs> yeah. I feel like everyone was like, I don't want to judge, but it seemed like but a lot of people th- were on a search for... As, but as a kid, was your thought, she has to be Christian? Oh, I mean, I, I don't, that's why I think what I'm, what's, I'm confusing my own self by saying I didn't have that thought. It just was... I didn't start thinking that way until I was like 16... And came out, 15, 16 came out that I didn't want to be, I wasn't a Christian anymore. And then it like, then I started dating, you Mm -hmm. know, like I wasn't really, I just had major like love crushes building up till then. And I had a lot of crushes and like pen pals and like, you know, people in the church, people you'd meet at like a camp and you'd send them a letter and kiss it and spray it with your cologne or whatever. Like, you know, it's Mm -hmm. very cute, but like. Yeah, just kids, kids shit, kids shit. But but I had so much anxiety about that. I she needs to be Christian. So the one thing that's coming to mind is I had a crush on her. Like this was a girl that had a big crush on. She was long distance because everything was long distance. Mm-hmm. You know, in the church, it was like the cool thing, right? Meet somebody from like a different state, and you like send letters or I guess email each other. So there was a a girl from Southern California that was of a church over there that I'd known that I was like so madly in love with Mm. and uh i remember being outside of our house and like mom and dad or the whole family's inside and i remember like having a soda i remember what soda it was but i remember and i used to do this a lot where i would like i would go outside and i'd look up to the stars and i'd pray and i would like ask god for guidance or i would say something like you know, God, if it's your will, your will be done. Mm-hmm. And like, if I wanted something, you know, it'd be like, it's up to you though, Lord, whatever you have for me, your will be done. But I want this. Mm-hmm. And so I went outside one night and I was just thinking about her. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to break the top of this soda can off. Like, you know, like the, how you open up a yeah. soda can. And like, I was like, and I'm just going to count the alphabet. I'm going to go like A, B, and if it <laughs> breaks on the letter of her first name. Then she's I know my wife. She's going to be my Christian wife. Yeah. So it was like, a, B, and I got like right to the letter that was her name and it wasn't getting like off. And I was like, 
and like ripped it off, like took that thing off the can and like ripped it off. And I was like, ah. And while I was doing that, I knew like everything I was doing was just like performative. It yeah. was like, I'm, this is what all I want is like to be with this girl, but she's long distance. So I was like, make building up all of this pressure and then like ripped it off. And I was like, God's will be done. <laughs> and like, so I think like you're talking about Christian Mingle, that was my version of like, I was 12 years old, 13 years old. And this one girl I knew of at a church in Southern California. And she was like the love of my life for like a year and a half, two years. And I could never not think about her. I was like obsessed with like the thought of being with her. And like, I know her was the same. Like we were like pen pals. And so she felt the same towards me. And then like, as I grew up, you know, and I like, we just grew apart or whatever. And it was like, but I didn't really think anything outside of that. It was just, that's how things went. But that's what I would do. It was like, no, I know which who's going to be my wife. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense. No, it does. It does. I'm also starting to notice your trauma is just so much different than my trauma. Yeah. And all the and everything we're learning here. I um and dating for me was, I mean, I just really man, I had I had a really hard time dating for fun until I got my heart ripped out like everyone gets their heart maybe not everyone but some people get their heart you know first breakup mm -hmm. my first breakup was cheated on and like it was almost like and i thought i had it all together and but i was just so abused and i try not to blame anybody but like yeah there was just so much abuse that happened in that first relationship emotional and verbal abuse and like other things that when that relationship ended and I started smoking cigarettes and getting all grimy. It was almost like my heart had come out. Mm. And I remember that that trauma, how long that breakup, that breakup lasted like a year. I like, and I was, that's when I started psilocybin and LSD. And it was like, I was in so much pain and so much identity crisis after that first relationship. Mm. Cause it was like out of the house away from you. And like, and uh, a lot changed after that relationship. After that, it was like, I kind of got, I, I mean, I got a lot closer to the reality that I'm just another person and everyone's a person and we should enjoy each other and learn from one another and experience each other. There is no set order or plan, good or bad, maybe. You know, it's just like, be, just be and do. And after that first relationship, it was like the heart was out on like a, you know, chopping. It was like, I could see all my pieces and I was like, oh, he's up now mm -hmm. let's go give the piece and i started piecing it out to people and then that's when i was like i just tried to find whatever needs i could get met you know it was like dating when totally a little bit different back then it was like after that first relationship i was like oh you mean this this extremely abusive person isn't gonna be my wife yeah i've been with her for three years she took my virginity you know i'm like i didn't take hers you know and like so there was just like a lot of me like being like Every girl I've ever liked before her, I thought was going to be my wife. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm supposed to be dating for marriage. <laughs> that was like so hard for me to learn. But when I did learn it, I just kind of went the complete opposite side of the pendulum. And it was like, oh, no one's going to be my wife. Mm -hmm. I ain't ever going to be in a relationship ever again. We're yeah. just dating for fun now. Yeah. And then same thing happened in the second relationship, then the third relationship, then the fourth. And then it was yeah. just like, damn, there's a cycle here. I need some serious therapy. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. No, that's deep. That's really deep. I'm glad that you said that all that. I totally forgot about your first relationship. Um, all right. Let's, uh, thanks for that, uh, point though. It's interesting. And, uh, we always print out stuff off Reddit, you know, to like 
connect to the community and connect with other people going through things that are very similar, and but also, like you just said, very different from one another. Mm-hmm. And I think that whenever you and I are able just to, you have a thought throughout the week, I think that's when you and I really start to break down our own trauma together. Mm-hmm. And that first relationship for me, you were young. I mean, my first relationship too. was traumatic. Traumatized me for the rest of my life. And I just don't ever want to like blame people, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I've like, that took me years to get to that point, but I don't blame anybody anymore for like these heartaches or heartbreaks. It's what, you know, like helped me really grow the hell up. But it's different than just, you know, someone raised in a family that isn't as religious as the family we were raised in to just get into a relationship that's unhealthy and then have it kind of traumatize them. I think that's a lot of, a lot of kids go through their first really breakups oh, yeah, being pretty sure. traumatizing, but it's a little different when, yeah, your whole perspective on dating was I'm going to date my wife. I'm going to date I my mean, wife. If the, there's a lot of different blaming that has gone on over my life with, especially like certain that first relationship. But, um, I think that like, if I would have known what I know now, if I would have known what I knew after my second relationship, I would have, you know, like ended my first relationship very fast. Totally. Me too. And so it's, the repetitive trauma, the repetitive, like thinking, like there are certain reasons why I think I ended up with like that person for so long was because it was feeding a part of me that I was like, it was like a feedback loop. I was yeah. like a negative feedback loop where it was like all too familiar to my childhood. Mm-hmm. There was like an all too familiar piece to her, to like my, our upbringing for me that like made me feel very normal with her. And she was the one that like, that relationship helped reveal like the abuse. It was like, this is wrong, but this is so similar to what I've been through. It was like similarities here, mm. you know, so you said like a bomb and there's similarities there's here. Similarities. similarities. You see, you see there's similarities, similarities here, here in the garage, in the garage, in the garage. My Obama's terrible. Um, but so we jumped into some, there was a forum on the religious trauma forum and let's just jump into it. Yeah. I'm going to go, go ahead and read this first one. This is a post off of Reddit by a gentleman of the name, Jimothy Bobbert, number 19. They say processing and healing religious trauma is like the emotional equivalent of picking scabs. And they also say, and sometimes I wonder if they'll ever heal. Mo man, number 98 replied, I think we may not be able to fully heal because one, we were taught all these things at a crucial developmental age. And two, it's hard to escape religion because it's so prominent in culture, but we have plenty of company around us. Religion sure knows how to make enemies. A lot of the world as a whole is collectively deconstructing. I think we can get to the point of mostly reclaiming our bodies and minds from religion as well. Like mental illness, you will have bad days, but you can get to the point where the bad days outnumber, or you can get to the point where the bad days don't outnumber the good days. Mm. Yeah, I think there was a, a typo there, but. Um, one of the, yeah, do you have anything you want to say on that first? I mean, I, the reason why I like saved this one and printed it out first just to go over it. I thought it was a good <sighs> starter. I like this comparison to picking scabs. My trauma is definitely like dealing with things over the years and religious trauma specifically 
it does feel like you're just picking at the same scab and there's a scar that forms and then it's like a scab comes back and you're like picking at the same thing. So it can feel like this repetitive, never ending kind of what we're just talking about. A lot of repetitive loops, mm-hmm. a lot of repetitive trauma, a lot of repetitive healing. Like when is this going to end? I think it like it's picking a scab, but then you realize it's actually just a bunch of broken bones. It's like it, fe- it can feel like it's as small as a scab. It's like picking the same scab over and over. It's like, oh, well, it's your whole... It- there's it, the deeper you go into the actual trauma of religious trauma yeah. of your entire childhood. It's like, I'm doing this podcast with you researching a lot more, not researching, but just thinking back a lot more on my childhood and how much more trauma I haven't really thought about and dealt with just because we're bringing it up in this cast. We're talking about it, that it's helping me realize that, yeah, it's so much deeper than I thought it was. So in other words, you're saying that like, this is a great analogy, but it, it's kind of, it's, it's cute. It's, this is more like heart surgery. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's like, I have chest pain, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think it's that big of a deal. It's like, no, actually you need open heart surgery. Now we have to go in there and completely restructure your heart. It's like, that's like, this is It's mm-hmm. like, I know I just have this chest pain. And it's like, yeah, because your heart's dying. Yeah. We have to get in there and do <laughs> surgery. You need a whole team. It's going to cost so much money. It's like, and it's never going to be the same. Yeah. It's never going to be the same. It's, tr- it's real trauma. Do you think that there is, though, a repetitiveness to it? Like when we talk about repetitive loop cycles, repetitive negative thoughts, repetitive experiences, like would you say a kid that grows up in the church goes Sunday, every Sunday, Friday night youth group, like us, you know, mm-hmm. like the repetitive, the repetitive, the repetitive, the every week, worship, prayer, worship, prayer, like these things are meditative. So there's like some positive, positive consistency and discipline that you learn from like stillness, mm-hmm. if you will, but like. I don't know. Do you think that like the trauma, it might be different every time, but like it comes from a repetitive place though. Don't you think? It depends on how long it was or long ago it was that you were in it. It took, I mean, I haven't really been consistently going to church uh, for like 12 years now. And so I have finally gotten comfortable not being in church Mm. and now I'm incredibly uncomfortable in church because I've, I've lived long enough of my life out of church, but for the first like five years of not going to church anymore, it was really uncomfortable. Right. Sundays felt really negative. Well, you and you and I would meet up at church all the time. Like, we would yeah. like tell each other, like, oh, I'm going to go say, say hi to mom and dad at yeah. church on Sunday. When I would have Evan, I would just bring yeah. him because it was like, I didn't have anybody else. Mm-hmm. You were there a lot during those mm-hmm. times. Still a lot of that guilt. Mm-hmm. It's like. There is a repetitive nature to it, but it, I mean, it just, I think it's just deeper and in when I think of like the real trauma, it's the existential, like you're not a believer anymore, so you're not going to go to the heaven you believed in this whole time. And I think that's this repetitive negative loop cycle of of how do because I because you're innately a sinful bad person, exactly. and you need Jesus to get there, exactly. And you you unconsciously think that, but in reality, the longer I have accepted my own thoughts. And, um, you know, given into more like psilocybin and, and cannabis and let myself think, just let myself see, see what I can think about, see what I can imagine, research certain studies on what the afterlife could be that isn't Jesus, that isn't heaven. The more comfortable I've been with the idea that maybe it's wrong. Maybe there isn't a heaven. Maybe there isn't a hell. Maybe it is this. And I'm accepting that more because I think that a lot of times growing up with, with religious trauma and trying to come out of it, I wouldn't even let myself have those thoughts because they'd cause me too much anxiety. Whereas mm-hmm. now it's like that there is no heaven or hell. So you'd have anxiety now. Like if there's no heaven, then what happens after death? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Anxiety. And so I'm just not going to think about it. Mm-hmm. But then now it's like, oh no, I actually think it's this, this, and this. I relate. Have you 
throughout your life since you've, you know, walked away from the church in your experience? Like, do you replace heaven with other things then? Like if there is no he- potentially no heaven, do you replace it with something else? Um, do you believe in like past lives? Do you believe in, re- do you have that? Any thoughts on that? Have you done any extra reading or looking into the whole like past life thing um, is a tough one for me. I think that we would like to think we have past lives. And if we do, that sounds great. It would make sense if we were beings that had repeated this life cycle, but just in different formats. Um, I do think it makes more sense that we are all a collective body. We're all a collective universe of, yeah. of emotion, feeling, and whatever this experience is we call being alive on earth is a collective. Yeah. It's not just your own. Exactly. You're not just your own. Because if there's anything that feels great, it's helping other people. And anytime anyone does volunteer work or helps somebody feel better, you feel better. And I think there's something there. The sharing of good energy always leads to good energy. Yeah. Which I want those boys to start doing together. What? Just like we did as Volunteering. kids. Volunteering. Yeah. I want like those boys to be the church that's the opposite side of the coin. Mm. You know, like that idea of like giving back, I don't know, somehow community service. It's been on my like chest hmm. sitting on me for a long time since, I mean, like since we left, I left the church, I've always like tried to fill that void, mm-hmm. which is like guilt, not doing enough. But that is the one void where it's like, yeah, if you don't feel like you're doing enough, you're probably not mm-hmm. go do, go help more just in your immediate community. Totally. Something I was thinking too, like when I ask you that, you know, like, did you replace heaven? And do you replace heaven with anything? It's like, makes me wonder if these thoughts of the afterlife and what happens next, is it just a waste of time? Does that just take us out of the moment to worry so much about what happens after we die when we have no ability to ever understand that? Is it a waste to be thinking about the afterlife? Do mm. you think it takes away from a us being waste? like present? I think it's as humans, it's kind of impossible to not think about death. I think it's what keeps us striving to be alive. Death is a good motivator. I, I think it's a great motivator, especially aging. It, it motivates you to push a little harder. I mean, aging is what's motivating me to push harder for this is because it's like, I'm not going to be in my thirties forever. It's going to be tougher to do this in my forties. It's going to be, be tougher in my fifties. I get it. But I mean, time flies pretty fast and the older you get, the more you realize you just want to live. Yeah. I, I really want to live and I want to live a life that I'm proud of. Yeah. And it's like, what, what does that look like? It doesn't look like the way I was raised. I can tell you that I wasn't proud of that life. That and that way we can both agree on is extremely oppressive. Yeah, you're born a sinner. Mm-hmm. Extremely oppressive. Yeah, you all you you were born already needing a savior. A savior. Mm-hmm. You know, is a difficult place to be born into. Mm-hmm. And there's just a lot of people that have been born into that. It's in mm-hmm. the culture too. I mean, it's like ideal, ideal, idealistic. Some uh, to yeah. Um, this person, this, like, I know we should probably move on to the next mm-hmm. topic, but they said, I think we may not be able to fully heal. And, uh, it's interesting because I don't, I don't really believe whether it's religious trauma, sexual trauma, issues of gender, mm-hmm. uh, race, like religious trauma. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, racial trauma, any type of trauma that you've been through. I don't know if the goal is to be fully healed. I don't know if there is such a thing as fully healed. I think that's what Nirvana, the search for Nirvana is right. Like meditation and what heaven, heaven is full healment. Like, mm. 
And so when, when someone's out there looking to be fully healed, I always, what I've learned from me at least is to be like, that is a, you're, that is like, it seems like an individual looking for a destination to find refuge in and vacation. It's like, there, there doesn't really seem to be a vacation in life, Mm-mm. a heaven or like a full healing. And so when they say this, like, I think we may not be able to fully heal because it's like, I don't know if any, anybody fully heals. From trauma in general. Just from, yeah, from any, like it's, if you break your arm and you have surgery, you're going to a cast, you might heal back even stronger. Mm-hmm. So healing, like fully healing, meaning like you might even go overboard and become like stronger, which might, yeah, I don't know. Like it's just all of this is on a spectrum. Totally. So what is he being healed, right? So this idea of like, for me, I think that something that I've been striving for over the last year is adding things into my life that just add and like, per, like produce more of a personality and help deliver more of myself to me back at myself. Mm. So I'm not like depersonalized and not forgetting that every day is a day to be seized and present in. And every single one of those days that I'm like working to be more present in, the more present I'm in it, the more aware of the pain I'm in. Mm -hmm. And the pain I'm in seems to be a part of what it takes to be present. Mm. It's the never ending cycle of allowing myself to hold that shit. Mm. So I feel like this person's absolutely right. I don't know if we'll ever be able to be fully healed. I don't think that's the goal though. Exactly. I think that's my, what I'm trying to say is I I don't, I think suffering. I think maybe in the heat of suffering, the, the, you only can see the opposite of the spectrum of when is the suffering going to stop? When is the anxiety going to go away? When's the guilt going to go away? And in reality, it's when it does go away, it's actually not fully away. Mm -hmm. You're just not as in the depths of the catacombs in that moment. But in reality, uh, it's going to be pretty tough to think about it's pretty tough to think about our childhood. Yeah. It's really tough. But in reality, when I think about it, I feel like I'm conquering it more. And we have to think about these things. Mm-hmm. There's a therapy called tapping therapy. And I'm just spitballing yeah. here where, you know, it's a type of, if I'm remembering correctly, where it's like there's pressure points in certain chakras or areas of your body where if you tap and then you go back to the childhood mm-hmm. trauma, whether it's sexual or religious or whatever. And the whole idea is you're like tapping the chakra of your body while thinking about that trauma and the idea is that right when you're thinking about it and you're thinking about it and you're just experiencing that pain because you're thinking about it with your therapist and they're there guiding you through it and they're like, and the person, you do this with the team and they're supposed to help you remember maybe if you're remembering that trauma so well and it's so vivid because it's on your body, it's stuck. It's like you're hopefully the tapping, you're able to get right above that trauma, like right ahead of it in time and remember that there was a life that you had before the mm. traumatic experience and there's a life after the traumatic experience. And sometimes remembering being able to work at what it was like right before is enough for the brain and your emotional body to be like, and there's that now too. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. And it's like, how did we get to that? Trauma. Just talking about trauma in general, yeah, not just healing, like, not being able to fully heal. Not fully heal. Yeah. And so like, and I've gone through all of these things, you yeah. know, these journeys and whatnot. And still going through them. Yeah. One of the For ways, me. and like I think that's what we were getting at, was that like you said, just thinking about it is so traumatic, but that's like probably what we, you have to think about the trauma to process it, to understand it. It's like the same quote that, you know, you can't ever, and here's the religious uh, addition to my life that I sometimes don't get rid of is like, you can never get rid of your demons, mm-hmm. but you can damn well live above them. Mm-hmm. And so keep them in sight so you know where they are. Like, okay, I see y'all down there. Mm-hmm. You're chilling. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they can't ever get rid of that. 
So you might as well just take control over, like try to, I mean, like try to take more responsibility over that, that it's there. That is a part of you, maybe before you. And also recognize when you're not in control and how to respond. I think that's a big thing for me when it's, mm, when you yeah, talk about wrestling powerful. your demons, it's, oh, today's not going to be a day I can handle this, this, and this. And I'm just going to make that boundary because my demons are flared up today. And that and that exact point from you, right, was recently you've been told from what you told me is like, or not told, but encouraged in therapy to like make yourself uncomfortable, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like, you might know, tell me, tell me if I'm wrong mm-hmm. and you can maybe just go off of this. But like, even if you wake up on a day where it's like, oh my God, today's bad. Like I'm depressed and anxious, maybe for no other reason than just the shit you're dealing with. But you've been encouraged to be like, yeah, go be, go be uncomfortable with something. Mm-hmm. Go do something uncomfortable. It's mm-hmm. like, even on the bad days, yeah. Mm-hmm. Want to elaborate on that? Because I mean, it's like you've been doing, right? Like protect yourself, set boundaries. I know today's going to be a tough day. I'm sorry, bro. Can't come over. Nah, we're not going to do this tonight. Mm-hmm. I got to take care of myself. And it's like, respect, take care, do you, treat yourself. Mm-hmm. And then there are spectrums. So for you specifically, like what you opened up to me about, which I, you know, like totally understand because I know you, but Mm -hmm. that it's like, that doesn't work for everybody forever. You can do that and go into your thirties and be like, things are going really well, but I want more. Mm -hmm. And the therapist is like, then you got to do more. Well, how do I do more? You got to be more uncomfortable, but I don't feel good Mm -hmm. and be uncomfortable and don't feel good. You've gotten better at not feeling good. Remember? So you've done all this work holding that. Mm -hmm. And now it's like time to, take more charge of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. No, totally. Totally. And I mean, someone like me who's struggles with pretty bad social anxiety, um, it's really good to be uncomfortable sometimes and to put yourself in situations where you're challenging yourself because if you're not, you're not practicing and you have to practice where it's going to get worse. The pandemic really flared up my social anxieties worse than they've ever been because we had so much time not mm-hmm. being social. Right. And so now um, I find myself kind of planning to be social because if I don't, I won't. I mean, and lately, man, with like New Year's, Christmas, mm-hmm. um, and knowing how you're, 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 you know, like using psilocybin for your mental health and cannabis now is a part of your life. And, you know, those things are part of mine, but like cannabis is a huge part. But like, I just want to say I'm super proud of like, I know how much social anxiety you have and I have my own form of it, but yours were very different. Mm-hmm. And like, you've shown up, you've shown up to everything. Mm-hmm. And in the past, you would like take care of yourself and not show up. Mm-hmm. Now you're t- taking care of yourself and showing up. Mm-hmm. And that's just awesome, dude, because I, th- I think that like no matter what, you can feel super shitty. But at a certain point, when you're in someone's life, like you have a fiance or in a relationship or you have a kid or you have a family, it don't matter how f- how bad you feel. You have to show up. Mm-hmm. So you have to learn how to do that as well as be vulnerable and talk about it at the same. You can still talk about all these things all at the same time. Mm-hmm. You can be like. And you, there's plenty of these things this year where you show up. That's kind of how you show up. Right. Is vulnerability helps you show up. Mm-hmm. It's like, I've been a lot more open with that. I'm a very socially anxious person. I won't have an anxious day, but then I'm, I go into a crowd of people and it's the you worst day never, of my life. You never seen, dude, like I've showed up to these, par- I feel more anxious because like, I show well, you up show you up, you show up like glossy eyed, like I just ate a bunch of butter. Yeah, my anxiety. Pretty anxious right my, now. <laughs> my anxiety is just like weed anxiety. Yeah. I'm just like, is it me or is it them? <laughs> no, um, I, I, I've gotten good at, at, I mean, Alex knows me really well. And so I'll be like, I'll make a comment on something. She'll be like, yeah, you, you were quite talkative. 
And that's what you do when you get anxious. And it's like, <laughs> oh, damn it, you know me too just well like, now. Hey, just like a real blossom. Man. Yeah. It's like you were loud during that game we were playing. Evan, like the other night, called me out on how uh, he was saying something like, you know, dad, uh, Megan was telling me how like whenever you get like, you, whenever you're talking a lot, it means you're probably like bothered by something or something's going on. And I was like... <laughs> You're talking a lot for someone to say that. It was yeah. like, I called him back on it because he's that's exactly what he I'm like, dude, all you do is talk. And he's yeah. like, I know. Because there's like, something going on all the time. There's always something going on in my head, dad. I'm like, yeah, that's why you always talk. Maybe we should all just shut up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move on to the let's next one. Let's move on, yeah. Because uh, up there it says 22, right? Which means we plus probably... T- plus 10. Just plus add 10. 10. 32, yeah. I mean, it's probably 15, but just add 10. We're trying to work on getting better and having a more structured show all the time about religious trauma so that it's more received well and we can deliver it better for ourselves. Um, and uh, Zach has really bad ADHD. Huh? What? Let's go ride bikes. <laughs> let's go and, ride some bikes. And, and I have really bad ADHD. But yeah. they're really not that bad, right? Like we're getting better. Don't you well, think like our ADHD is kind of our like our superpower in yeah. a way, but it really is also our biggest enemy sometimes. Yeah. But I think the reason why we're able to have such a interesting podcast that kind of like we don't need to be talking about religious trauma, we could just shoot the shit is because we just blah, 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 we, just but talk, we both talk, agree talk. that the way we feel when we do the religious trauma or we get the one comment from yeah. our person friend who commented on our main cast of how much they followed us and they never yeah. subscribed. Like that's because of like, we're beginning more vulnerable. Yeah. And so it makes sense. And shout out uh, to that person. We really, we, we yeah. saw it. We see you and you made our day yeah, that you, day. You Orgon, Orgonian, is it Orgonians from Oregon? They're from Oregon. Oh yeah. Ar- Orgonian. Orgonians. Thank you, Orgonian. Uh, <laughs> we see you. And you know what? I know there's a lot of Calvary chapels in Oregon. Like yeah, I, know, Calvary, I know that's where like a lot of the, mm-hmm. te- a lot of the pastors here learn from like, yeah. uh, pastors like John Corson mm-hmm. and other Calvary chapel guys. I can hear his voice from listening, having dad listen to him so much. Christian. I was just Christian. thinking that like, you know, like a lot of pastors will listen to other pastors from other States that are like good teachers. And then they'll just teach based on what they hear from them. Mm. Talk about like a f- fringy, like, ricocheted and reverb of like wow that was a really good sermon where do you like what have you been researching oh i listened to a pastor who taught the same thing last sunday Mm. Hmm. where'd he learn it oh from his friend from his friend from his friend from his friend yeah uh but anyways thank you for the love um why don't we just jump into the last one let's skip this middle one and um because we can spend more time on it yeah sounds good to me because we're about at 32 yep I mean, I'm going to cut a bunch out of this cast, some of it. You always say that, and then you don't cut something out. Because it's always better. In the last cast, you said where we live, and I cut it out. Oh, you did? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. No, no, I bleeped it out. Yeah, I did. I put beeps. You you missed it. No, I didn't. It was, yeah. (laughs) Sorry, man, but you did. So you bleeped out, you bleeped out one of them, and then you're like, well, it's blah, 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 blah. And then you just never bleeped that one out. Oh, nice. Well, good eye. Yeah. I'm lucky I saw it. I just don't really care. I mean, I, I mean, if you don't YouTubers care, don't get care. doxxed and then they get swatted. It's stupid, man. Like if anything like that were to happen, it'd be like, yeah. Dude, how hilarious it'd be if we got swatted. No, it would not be funny. That would suck. It'd be great content. Um, uh, you're talking about this one, the kind of uh, miserable child. I'm going to read this comment. This is a comment because uh, we're going to, we'll, we printed out three Reddit posts from the religious trauma forum. And the last one that we're going to read that I'm going to read out soon is something that 
we were going to reach out to this uh, individual that commented on the post. We would really love to interview them. We mm-hmm. relate with them, at least from what they shared vulnerably. But this middle post is just from somebody who was explaining how they were indoctrinated into Christianity by their art teacher who tried to evangelize his class, spend callous hours attempting to prove the existence of God and the perfection of the King James Version Bible. This person fell into a very, very deep, dark cult following all from a teacher. And there's a lot that we could talk about there. Um, But just for the sake of time, um, there was a comment that was made on this post by a person by the name of AC Fox 13. And in the comment, they uh, say this. The truth is, no one knows what happens after we die. It's all made up stories. We'll find out when we get there. I'm more concerned about choosing trustworthy, rehumanizing, secure attachment behaviors to build connection with the other humans I have to share this planet with. I'm going to read that again. Mm. We'll all find out when we get there after we die. I am more concerned about choosing trustworthy, rehumanizing, secure attachment behaviors to build connection with the other humans I have to share this planet with. Other humans to share this planet with, to build Mm. better connections, secure attachment behaviors, rehumanize and trust. The after-death stories are about using abuse, neglect, and dehumanization for coercive control while we're alive. They go against everything it is to be human, in my opinion. And if it goes against, um, and if it goes against my humanity, I'm not wasting my valuable time, energy, and effort on it. I'm more concerned about choosing trustworthy, rehumanizing, secure attachment behaviors to build connection with the other humans I sh- have to share this planet with. That is the key to success in overcoming your RTS. 100% change. It's not Huge about it. Jesus. It is not about what's going to happen when you die. Because when you die, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And we were brainwashed to think that if you don't live this life a certain way, the next life's going to be terrible for you. And it's just that feeling, that's going to be the trauma you have to get over. But in reality, it's re you have to rehumanize yourself. And the goal is about making this life the best life it can be and the most comfortable life it can be. And I think this person really hit it on the, that quote I like, right on the nail. Yeah. And when you're saying like, when they're saying rehumanizing, you know, this idea of like building identity, I like how they said secure attachment uh, behaviors to build connection with other humans mm. that I share the planet with. The thing is we're not on this planet alone we are sharing it. Mm-hmm. I like, and and like, that's why earlier I was asking, like, is it worth our time to even talk about afterlife? And this person says, it's all made up stories. No one knows what happens. They say that the after death stories use abuse, neglect. And so, uh, you know, if you think about it, it's like this planet's a spaceship. We're just here for the ride shooting through this like corkscrew of space mm. the ups and downs are they ever really up or down or are they if you look at it like a corkscrew right these waves are actually just going around and if you turn it if you turn to that corkscrew this way you just see like a sp- springs mm. always moving forward either down or up you're just moving forward 
This planet's just going through space, just traveling we're through just space. Falling on a rock. We're just, we're just traveling through space, and we definitely aren't. Nope, nothing's going around us. We're going around the f- sun, and there's like billions of suns. So the sun's the center of our universe, and there's billions of them. Mm-hmm. And we still know nothing about other universes. Everything everywhere all at once. Everything everywhere all at once. Mm-hmm. Everything everywhere all at once. Mm-hmm. Everything everywhere all at once. Nothing matters, which means everything matters. Mm-hmm. Nothing and everything matters all at the same time. Ama- um, amazing, uh, amazing sentence there. AC Fox 13. Thank you for posting that. We see you. Yeah, and if you ever see this cast and you know that we're talking about you and you want to be on it, well, good good riddance. Good luck. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> One okay. email and I'm pretty sure we'll come accept Come on, we you. want you. Come on on. <laughs> come on. Come on. Uh, send us an email. Yeah. Fax us. Uh, moving on. So, our last post tonight before we jump into uh, our game comes from an uh, individual user. No room for boom boom. <laughs> 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 love yeah uh, and let me see here uh, username checks out mm-hmm. yep username checks out username checks out no room for boom boom uh, uh god i love the internet yeah it's like ready player one is here now yeah we really are here yeah it's like uh like mr beast mm. it's like, he's a billionaire now but it's like hey, what's up dude my name's mr beast yeah. <laughs> you're like oh or like uh, when Dead Mouse's like Twitter handle was something like I hate myself. Yeah, no. Or something. I just want to. You know, just like great handle. <laughs> um, so no room for boom boom. Says, um, and we're gonna read these ones completely out loud all the way through, and then I'm just gonna read the comment that was made on this because that's what we're really mm-hmm. focusing on. No room for boom boom. Says, can a miserable child become a happy adult? Question mark. This is a question I am wrestling with today after my therapist said he thinks that I had a miserable childhood. I'm not surprised to hear him say this, really, but it made me feel weird when he said it. It was a confirmation of sorts. As my being in this sub might suggest, I deal with trauma associated with my religious upbringing. But it's the only upbringing I know, and of course, I remember some happy times too. But he's curious if I've ever been happy at all. I'm not really here to discuss how miserable I was or wasn't, but I am really curious to ask, for those of you who had miserable childhoods, have you become a happy adult? If so, how do you know you are happy? Are you happy most of the time and do you have recurring bouts of misery or are you fully recovered for the most part? Some similarities to this idea of fully healing, right? I just think it would be a shame to have a miserable adulthood because your life started out as difficult. I don't know. I'm just rambling. Mm. Thank you, No Room, for the post and being vulnerable and sharing this. Um, yeah, so this person is struggling uh, with feelings of misery and is wondering if it's possible to ever be happy as an adult after being born in such a uh, controlling, manipulative, and oppressive religion. Um, their therapist has confirmed the miserable childhood, which is like interesting because I think confirmation, just being heard. Mm-hmm. What does therapist, what does a good therapist do? They freaking listen. That's all they do. And you're like, give me the answer. And they're like, you mm, have the answer. You are the answer. Mm-hmm. And you're like, thank you for listening. We want our friends, right? I've said that before. Like, you just want your friends to listen, but all they do is talk at you. 
Um, but this therapist for this person, they, they just confirmed that. Yeah, you have a, you've had a miserable childhood. Like, have you ever actually been happy yet? Mm. Be honest. Uh, this person deals with trauma related to their religious upbringing, but they have some happy memories of their childhood. Mm -hmm. That's very familiar, right? Like, it's really easy to look at the trauma of our childhood from religion and all that and be like, our entire childhood was traumatic. And it's like, nah, dude, we're so lucky. <laughs> Such a fun childhood. So totally. many good memories. And so it's very important to remember that. Like, that is really, like, huge. But I think that that guilty feeling of needing to remember the good shit, that my parents are really good. They were so happy. Like, of course they were. Mm -hmm. You know, if like they were, if they were loving parents and they were loving, but like that doesn't change anything. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, this person is curious to know if any other buddy out there had miserable childhoods and if they were able to become fully healed or happy. This is a consistent reoccurring thing on this form. And I think it's just because we're human and we want, we want to fully succeed and we want to fully get rid of pain. And uh, I think it's a dangerous train to be on, but more accept that it's never going to be fully okay. Mm. And it's not just you. It's everyone's human. Everyone has some sort of trauma they need to deal with, whether it's just from your parents or it's from your religion or it's from something other terrible thing happened in your childhood or any, any time of your life. It's going to stay with you the rest of your life and how you deal with it is how you heal. But it's not like when you healed, you're healed and it's done. You're saved like you were right. saved in Christianity. So this is, and this is like a callback to what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. There is a lot of similarity. I think that like when you're in pain, you want to be out of pain. Mm -hmm. You want to know like all humans tend to be that mm -hmm. based on my personal experience as a nurse. If you're a bodybuilder, actually, even if you're, if you are a bodybuilder, you're actually probably more of a voice <laughs> when it comes to pain. Mm -hmm. It's like these like older Hispanic women that are never in pain. And you're mm -hmm. like, I know you're hurting. Why aren't you showing me the pain? <laughs> Regardless, people want to be out of pain. When yeah. you're in pain, they want to be out of pain. Yeah. And, um, but it does get better, but, it, but it, like, so that makes sense. And I validate that I'm dealing with that today. I'm down with it yesterday. I've been like the last two weeks have been waking up being like, I don't want to feel like this. Oh, dude, the last two I weeks. Want this, yeah. I, I want to be, I want to be done with this feeling right now. Yeah. And <laughs> immediately I'm so much better at like that. Mm -hmm. You know, and being honest about that. And also like having what they, uh, this person's quote before we read this one said about sharing is like me and Megan, like power couple here, like finally felt, met somebody that's working with me and I've learned how to work with them to where like, that's what I want. Companionship really helps me through this also and to be happy. Surround yourself with communities, you know, surround yourself with people that aren't going to tell you that you're a terrible person. You know, that, someone that loves that, you yeah. and like, uh, uh, just keep trying to find the things in life that you can find, that you can do to make your life better. Don't drown yourself in your sorrows of how you were raised or how you think or what, how you feel. Get a dog, get, yeah. get, get something that can remind you that it's not all bad and that love is and love is there and you can create it and you can be it. Something so simple as getting a dog. Dude, my dog has revolutionized so, the way I think about my life. I don't want to interrupt, but I just want to jump right into this comment because Dashini mm -hmm. makes a statement, a comment here, very long comment, and I'm going to read it because uh, Dashini, we are going to be sharing this cast with you on this comment whenever mm -hmm. it's posted. We would love to interview you. Uh, we want to interview everybody. It's just a difficult process for us getting things back up and running to do that. But Dashini's comment here um, connected a lot with Zach and I and like a lot with our... Um, 
the ways we've coped, processes we've been on, same process we're still on. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to read this and then we'll talk about it. Honestly, Dashini says, as a 30-year-old now, who just recently went back to university to pursue his career-driven goals, you learn to figure out the small things in life that make you happy. Your pet, the restaurant 10 minutes away, that weekly TV show. The hard part is finding purpose, not purpose driven by religion, but your own meaning and outlook on life. What makes me who I am and what defines me? A bit of self-discovery comes when you let go of religion, and so too comes the pursuit of happiness. It's a journey. For context of my life, continue reading here. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Dishini, everything you said there is exactly what we've been, similar to what we've been saying here. We agree. It's a journey. Mm. This is heart surgery, which requires physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, diet changes, mm -hmm. consistent exercise, a whole year of recovery, then the rest of your life remembering that trauma. Mm -hmm. It's endless. It's endless. And the beginning. So, Dashini giving us some context, and this is what we're like, yeah, dude, we got to get you on the cast. Mm -hmm. um, or girl, sorry, I don't want to just say dude, but it just, I don't know. Maybe they did say that they're a he. I don't know if they did or not. Sorry. We'll see. Anyways, typical Christian kid who was told everyone who isn't Christian or goes to church is going to hell and the devil was brainwashed by some weird cult shit that restricted me from enjoying things on life, such as comics, people, anime, art, and so much more. If it wasn't Christian, it wasn't good, basically, or in Christian terms, secular gods, idols. I won't go too much into the crazy cultish stuff. When my brother passed away at 15, trauma, I wanted to stop going to church, but was dragged to a Christian psychiatrist who was four hours away and a pastor's wife for a mega church. Ended up getting hospitalized by my psychiatrist in a government facility. <laughs> Sounds kind of familiar. I was to be let out if I went to a after-school program, lived at church, and went to church. When I said no to church, the nurse said, you are staying here forever then. I panicked, grabbed the phone, and she yelled, what is wrong with you? I dropped the phone completely traumatized and just said yes to everything. Didn't care anymore to the point where my CPTSD, or complex post-traumatic stress disorder, was so bad that I didn't understand sad emotions properly anymore. By the time I reached college, I got two DUIs for sleeping in my car and many more mistakes as I grew older. After many failed friendships, attempts at therapy, and traumatic reprisals, I medicated on cannabis, which surprisingly at first helped me understand that my life was not normal at all and helped me slow down. However, I would eventually become so codependent on that so I moved towards a different approach of psilocybin. This did work, but I truly had to introspect myself for a good half year. Thing is, it actually worked. Well, that and finding my dog. Mm. I'm still working on things, but I don't think I'll fail this time. Hope this brief story works out for you. Also, if you'd like to learn about my journey through self-discovery, just ask. Where Asking, yeah, we're coming. Uh, there's so much uh, similarity in this story, yeah, and I love it that I would just love to uh spitball with yep. and about like their cannabis use. You and I, before this cast, man, we're just talking about my cannabis use, and I'm a 
big, big supporter in exactly what this person said here. It, like, just helped me feel like not normal. Like, oh, I'm not normal. And when I'm high, I know I'm not normal. Yeah. Like, that's what being high does. Like, something's up here. And I, I think that's like a kind of a purpose of these these medicines is to do that. I plants, think plants, fungi. fungi is they're introspective and they're there for a reason. And I think in thousands of years ago, people use them for more spiritual practices. Do you think like they're here for a reason? I think it's nature and nature is here for a reason. Like nature versus nurture. Yeah. Nature is nurture. And fungi is an amazing. Never nature versus nurture. It's nature is nurture. Nature is nurture. I think there is, I mean, and then the argument to that is, well, there's poisonous things that kill you in nature. It's like, yeah, duh. Yeah, into the wild. <laughs> into the, yeah. that minute story? Yeah. He like ate all the berries. He ate the berries. And and he finally got food and was doing healthy and then he ate the wrong berries and died. But that was a journey. Journey. And so science and education and research matters. Mm. Those that live before us that have made decisions and have died from them matter. Mm. You actually can learn from other people's mistakes. It's wild. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> Dude, it's actually saves you a Don't lot do what they did. of trauma. It's going to save you some time. Yeah. Um, I really connected with, I mean, this comes up all the time, but, uh, the way Dashini wrote this is obviously you're already, you articulate incredibly well. And, uh, when you stated, if I wasn't, if it wasn't Christian, it wasn't good basically, or in Christian terms, secular gods slash idols. I relate so heavily to that. Yeah. That was a, that was a, a common mindset, right. Mm -hmm. Growing up like, and we've talked about that with past music and like, albums and TV shows and even like talking about earlier this cast about the Christian wife or the yeah. Christian lover. And it's like, how do you do that? It's because everything else is secular and mm -hmm. idealistic and not of God. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, this person here talks about getting two DUIs. Mm -hmm. I got, I got a DUI when I was 22. And I remember it very well. Yeah. I couldn't pick you up from your DUI because you didn't get arrested because you got really lucky. Because I'm white, I didn't get arrested. I wasn't going to say it. Oh, dude, it's 100%. I was but a you, fool. You checking yourself and seeing your privilege right now just gave me the biggest heart on. <laughs> it's <laughs> true, man. It is true. And you know what? I remember when you called me, you were like, please come pick me up. And I remember I had just started the medication trazodone. You just, well, you, you smoked a joint or something and then you just took a trazodone And too. I took a trazodone. And, and you were I like, I, was like I, I felt so bad because I was drunk. I wasn't yeah. drinking. I was like, totally like, I'm sober, but I'm not. I'm like on a new med and I don't know why I feel this way. I can't come get you. And you were like, oh, that was, that was tough. Yeah, no, but I got picked up. It worked out. Kind yeah, so of. We've made mistakes like that. Like you have, but I those mean, I, I have crazy. Some familiarity. It, it's tough, Similarity. We're, we're We're put in this world to learn it for ourselves. And that's something I've had to accept is. But you're and, not alone. And I hate to say this, but my parents didn't teach me how to live in this world. And they didn't give me any tools in any way, shape or form to live in this world. They gave me tools to live as a Christian and to be a good Christian and to live my life for Jesus. Those were the tools I got. I got no tools on anything else. And so I have since I've decided to walk away from the faith for the last 11, 12 years, had to learn everything that this world has to offer, negative and good. But did they, did they give you, uh, like, like this, I'm talking what this post is based off of, did they give you any, like what the good, the good tools, did they give you any, any positive tools for the world? Uh, yeah. I'm talking childhood. I'm talking like 
once I broke free, moved out, had my own life, my parents, mine and my relationship with my parents changed. But before then, when it was forced Christianity, forced church, all that stuff, no tools, right. nothing, right. no advice, nothing. And and when you're in the world and you're not supposed to be in the world, uh, it's tough. Yeah. And uh, my DUI, I believe, is that was my lesson on learning how to drink and cope because I wasn't, and I wasn't using things properly. And I was surrounding myself with people that loved me, but were terrible influences. And because I just wanted love and I wanted support in this world and I couldn't get it from, from my family or my parents. I got it from you, of course, you and Natalie are the biggest supports of my life, but. Yeah. But um, I was also, uh, where you and I had a breakdown was the fact that we both drank, we yeah. both partied and, you know, like we both come from two different traumatic experiences in our family. And so like, that's where we bashed head a lot. We know? partied, we partied really hard in our twenties, but we've even, you even have told me very directly, like the beginning of this year and or last year, you know, is that, you know, when I've needed you and like things have been like, whatever it was, you know, like, uh, you, the experience of you calling me when like something's happened with, between me and mom and dad, and you're like, I'm coming over. That's like a new experience mm -hmm. because I think that like the rage and like how to handle myself is it just shows how like we are coping a lot differently. And that's why our relationship is a possibility. You know, it's so simple. Mm -hmm. And yet it was so like we made it so complicated. But mm -hmm. It was so fun. Mm -hmm. Had fun, fun times. Complicated. Had fun times, man. Drugs can be fun. Drugs can be alcohol can be really, really fun. It also can be incredibly destructive. And I think there's a balance in everything, but when you're... Helps you feel a lot less. Yeah, helps you feel a lot less. And I think when you start to think of it that way, man, I want to feel less right now. I'm going to have a drink. Makes you not want that drink as much because you're really addressing it for what it is. I want I want to release some oxytocin. I just want to feel better because I can't make myself feel better. It almost makes you want to be like, nah, hmm. I want to be able to make myself feel better. Right. That's just introspective type of thought I've been having. But... Mm -hmm. um. Just to go, go they, a little further. So, yeah, just looking at this more, they talked about how they medicated on cannabis. Mm -hmm. and surprisingly, at first, helped me understand that my life was not normal at all and helped me slow down. They became so dependent on that, which I totally relate to. Um, and then they approached psilocybin. And like, you know that feeling of like validation or feeling heard? So just like reading this. I know. After, it was kind of like, I want to talk. I would love to talk with somebody that, I, that we can relate to mm -hmm. who... I actually really want to learn from to be mm -hmm. like, Hey, what was your experience using psilocybin? Then how long did you use it? Like, what's this introspectiveness you're talking yeah. about? Like what, what, what'd you learn? Cause I, I mean, mean, yeah. And the power there is self. Yeah. Seeing yourself in every situation you're in, yeah. you matter. Nothing else matters, which is why you matter so much mm. that like introspective synchronicity it's like, you know, that picture of the Leonardo da, uh, da Vinci of like the hand, yeah, God's yeah. hand or whatever, like that. It's like you with you, like you and your inner child is like needing to touch fingers together and like, ma, mm. ma, ma. <laughs> Deshani, we are going to hit you up yeah, now. Definitely. We're going to message you. We're going to hit you up. We're going to message you. And we're going to hit you, you up. We're going to message get you, you on this cast. Going to get you on this cast. Whether you like it or not, you're going to dance up down and get really, really hot on this cast with those boys. Yeah, very well said. Um...
Cool. Let's, um, Should we slap over to the game cam? I don't know. Are you ready to go over to the game cam? <laughs> We're doing Jenga again. Yes. Uh, Jenga 2.0. Zach has told me that we only do Jenga once so far. And so if I'm wrong, who cares? I need you to be right. <laughs> okay. Pretty sure it's, uh, we did it for the first time on episode 10 for our Halloween episode. Zane, the lab technician, and his big clumpy fingers. Oh, son of a bitch. Hairs in the mic. Hairs in the mic. Is he, oh, he fingers. Oh, and I'm crashing down. This is intense. This sucks. No! God, man. You know what it is? Yeah! I'm not gonna... I'm not gonna do this podcast anymore. Great episode. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, uh, go back and watch the Halloween episode. Um, should we, we move this? Shit out. Can I move this a little more centered so that we're not right on the edge of the table? Can I move it like right here? I don't even know what you're using. Uh, no, because the camera's all set up, remember? But it's so... But that's just how the camera's set up. It's perfect, and I need you to do it. You um, have all. You always have a perfect seat in the house. Okay. I don't always have a perfect seat. Okay. You, who wants to go first? Um, the last game we played was... Fusketball. Fusketball. Right? Fusketball. Evan Evan loved that game. Oh, he liked it? Yeah, he finally... It was really hard. Like, he had a really hard time, and that's why he liked it, because it was so hard, and he just played it all... Until he got good at it? Yeah. Did he figure out the secret? Oh, yeah. He made three in a row. Nice. Good for him. It's Evan. Yvonne. These kids get it. All right. Um... You want me to go? How about winner goes first and I won the last game? How about I just go first? Our winner's game, go. Once again, if you're hearing um, any music in the background, it's because there's music in the background and it's uh, my music. It's daddy's music. And a good reminder right now, go check out Keep Coming Back by Signs, which was released at the beginning of the year. And you just sent off your second single. Wait, this might be that episode. I'm not sure yet. No, because... No way. I think it's the next episode. Um, man, it's tough to keep on board with that. Yet another reason why we should get a Google Doc going. But um, go check out Keep Coming Back by Signs. Yep. And uh, keep an eye out for his new music. But what you're hearing right now is tracks that will probably be on those boys' game tracks by Nene. Someday soon. Uh-uh! <laughs> Who won the last Jenga game? I did. I would love it if you lost this fast. It would suck with the cast like if you lost right away, but still it'd be like, no, we're done. We're good. Yeah. I mean, you just want that win. I need that win. <laughs> you got Moncala twice. Moncala is your game, dude. I'm, you're telling me. You're not the first person to tell me that. <laughs> my move i like like oh shit i know oh shit oh shit excuse my language here we go we got this oh bad angle oh boy oh boy what is happening oh my gosh what is happening that was insane no please fall 
Now we're playing. The last one we played, man, we got it pretty wobbling. The only terrible thing about this game when you play it on a podcast is when it falls, it's everywhere. Good. They come crashing down. Those blocks come crashing down. Maybe while we're playing this game of Jenga, because you said that you really want to talk about AI more, because you and I both are like, you're not a dad, you're a zaddy, but um, <laughs> I'm a daddy and you're a zaddy. Yeah. But we're like, we're like two zaddies into AI. Mm. You know, like we love that AI. Mm. Have you been using ChatGPT a lot? I just use it to completely revise my entire resume. So yeah. Oh, how'd that go? Resumes are tough, man, because people, businesses are trying to capitalize. And I guess like the last few years, it's just tough to find a good resume template because they want you to pay for them. Mm. So many, so many but things that should AI be free. Like do it for you? Uh, they can help you like write like job descriptions and stuff. And there's probably going to be an AI that comes out to make a resume for you. Boom. App idea. I can just send you my resume and you can just. Well, no, I found a template. Um, it's just also I'm getting older and I have a lot more job experience. And so it takes a while. Instead of just listing all your jobs, you choose which jobs are relevant, mm. which is just different. Mm. I used to just be like, I need work. And I got two jobs in my resume and it barely fits right, on the yeah, page. Now yeah. I'm like, I need it all on one page. How yeah. do I do it? Yeah. You're like. I have too many jobs on there. Like job one, front desk of Hotel Express. Job, Always hotels. Yeah. Job two. Uh, no, what was your first job ever? First job ever? I mean, I know. I want you to tell for the podcast. I was like 11, 12, and I did flash animation for a dude oh, in church. I remember that. remember that. Oh, and he committed suicide. Okay. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah. Wild times. We don't get into that. Talk about church Yeah, drama. talk about trauma. The church, yeah, but uh, yeah, I worked for him yeah. and did a flash animation for one of his schemey projects. I want, yeah, I bet you it was a schemey project. Of course, but he paid me. Pigeon checks. And it all um, checked out. But I think I was, I was twelve, but I was doing flash animation at twelve years old. So yeah, boy's been in the game for a long time. But the first job I ever had was doing flash animation. AI wasn't even on the surface yet. Actually, that's why flash animation was a thing, was because things were automated. I'm risking the biscuit right here. Nice. What was your first job? My first job was I was like the helper boy at a pharmacy. I uh, oh right. I would walk downtown. Like, I would get all like the prescriptions for the day and put them on the shelf, and then um, I would also straighten all the all the pills and stuff. And then one day they fired me. Because my girlfriend at the time would come bang on the windows when I was working. Because she was pissed? Because she was psycho. She just wanted my attention. She'd come with her friend when she got off school and bang on the pharmacy windows what? thinking it was funny. No. And they finally were just like, Zach, we're sorry. No. You have a lot going on. So they told me to go, and you, and you have a girlfriend, you know, you have things. <gasps> and it's like, no, it's because of her. It's because of her. Oh, I'm great her? at my job. I was uh, so yeah. good at my job. And I only worked like. Oh, oh snap. That was careful, careful, careful. This is getting wobbly. This is about to go. But then uh, you should have just told your girl to stop doing that. Oh, dude, I tried to. Control. <laughs> I tried to tell her. I tried to. I just. Why'd you do that? Oh my gosh! Why would you even ask me? You know, it's like she was not. not there. <laughs> that's too funny, man. I mean, you know all about it. You dated a girl that was very similar to my first girlfriend. No, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> guarantee if you thought of some of the things our girlfriends did back then you're like oh, they did do that huh? oh yeah no, i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> i live my own life yeah exactly precisely 
It's weird how every time I watch this part of the podcast, it has your songs behind it. And then every time we do it, it's just dead silence. I know. <laughs> but you, but now that you know it, it's like the beginning of the cast and the end of the cast yeah. and the game came. It's like yeah. having music in the background feels so much. Oh, yeah. I was even thinking about just writing a bunch of different background music for our cast just to have in the background. But I feel like... It's not good. It's not good for the entire cast. Yeah, exactly. But it does have the intro, outro, and the game cam, which is working very well. Evan today was like... He was like, do like do some podcasters hire people to edit their their uh, videos, like some YouTubers? And I was like, yeah, if they're weak. <laughs> he was like, what? And I was like, making just her laughing. Story. I was like, yeah, if they're weak, they get someone to hire them. And Evan goes, huh, my plan is to make enough money and get enough of a following so that I can hire people to edit my videos. It would just be too stressful to do all that on my own. <laughs> I was like... Will you stop? You're going to college. Like, what do you mean editing? His comments, dude. His comments on this podcast are just so gold. They're on point. Yeah, they get enough subscribers to monetize yet? Yeah, it's he, like, how old are yeah. you, kid? He's like, me and Megan search it up. It's like a thousand subscribers. But how? What's your view hours? What's yeah, what's your, your view hours? Do you guys hours? have enough view hours? It's like, oh god, this is. I told. I him, mean, he's got his head in the right place. I told him today that every single time uh, he brings up the desire to become a streamer, another child goes hungry. <laughs> And he was like, that's not true. And I was like, well, leave that on your conscience. Interesting life it would be to be a streamer. You know, I think he's going to get to a point where he, you, you've bought him a computer or something and he has enough just to start streaming and he's going to realize this is not the life I want. Yes. I think so. So he doesn't have the same trauma as us. He's got different, he's going to have different trauma. So yeah. we'll see what happens. He might build the next rocket ship to get us to Mars. I don't know. Like he might become a president. There's possibilities are endless. President of the Christian club in junior high like me. Oh, yeah, I sure hope not. I hope not. I sure hope But if he is, we'll, we'll talk about it. I'll talk about it on this podcast. It was funny last night when we were playing Fortnite together. I made some comment about how like I know, the we music, silent. the music was playing in the car, and I was like, "Oh man, something about a song I wasn't able to listen to being raised." And then he asked, "Why weren't you able to listen to it?" And I love how you and Megan both were like, "Got to listen to the podcast, kid." Yeah, she <laughs> listening to the podcast. Listen to the podcast. <laughs> you know, honey, your father has this podcast he's doing with your uncle. You know, what's great is uh, there will be a day where he'll probably go back and listen to some things. I mean, of course it will. You might already be. <gasps> this is so bad, right? Oh boy! Any second now. Dude, it's close. this is this is it. I know it's shaky. This is it. Oh no! Oh, you went for the stupid. You went to the top. That's so dumb. Well, sometimes there's not many moves, man. Sometimes you just got to keep lighting it up. Do you remember like in seventh grade when you had to make like a tower out of popsicle sticks and see how much weight it could hold? And it was about an, it's like an engineering segment of schooling. Remember that? You're making me nervous. <laughs> Dude, I, I don't want to laugh. <laughs> <sighs> come on. Come to, come to daddy. Daddy wants you. Let's get it. <laughs> this is it. One of these ones 
One of these times it's going down, 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 Mr. Downtown. That thing you do? Mr. Downtown. Mr. Downtown. (laughs) Mr. Downtown. Fantastic. I'm risking the biscuit on this one. Don't no! Scream. Don't scream. Yes. Take a 2.0, babe. We won. I'm taking home Megan's, that trophy. Megan's going to be so proud of you. Taking home the elephant tonight. Banging me down, baby. That was a beautiful crash, too. It was so perfect. Like, <laughs> I talked myself into thinking, I was like, I know this has resistance, but I think it might balance out, and it didn't. Oh, Zach, I'm so happy, man. Yes. 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 The win goes to Nene, which he... We'll just say I let you win for the cast, okay? No, that was a good game. That was a great game. It was a good conversation. Yeah. We should do this again sometime. We should probably do it maybe next week if you're free. Um, Good game. Good game, good cast. Um, So winner's game, which means I get to play first the next Next match. Next game. Um, once again, if you've made it this far, thank you so much for watching. If you want to sponsor your game on this cast, mm-hmm. we are potentially got some room. If it works on a cast, yeah. We we may be able to fit you in with our other... We don't have anybody else. I mean, like, if Mon- Send us your game. If Monopoly hits us up, I'm going to be like, we have to dedicate I a whole like, cast I to that. I want like a married couple or like... Yeah, that make their own games. How fun would that be? And they're like, we really want to get our game out there. Try it. We try it. And we're like, this is so fun. All you have to do is send it to us. Send it. We are so early in this cast that we don't need money yet. Wait, I said it. We don't need money yet. We don't need money yet. Send us a game. We do need lots of money, actually. Send us your money, too. We also just want to collab with people, so... We want to uh, clout with people. Also, all the people that are sending me messages on Instagram about us selling their vitamins, well, you're obviously a bot, so just chill out. Vitamins? Yeah. Still I get vitamins? so many. It's like, we think you'd be perfect for selling, blah, blah, blah. Like, we don't talk about any of this. What are you talking about? Yeah. And the, uh, the other thing I was, you know, like CoffeeZilla, dude, mm-hmm. who's blowing up with Logan Paul and all that yeah. right now. Um, he, uh, they don't have any sponsors. They're a zero sponsor program. And I was like, oh, that's a, that's a mic drop right yeah. there. Because like, because if you don't have sponsors, you're not selling out to anybody, Mm-mm. and you know that you're like proving at least to your viewers that much. So, dude, someone said to me the other day before we end. Someone said to me, uh, "I think it was mom said this to me. She's like, they, they even read their own advertisements. She's talking about some podcast. They, they they read them. Like that's how much they care." And I was like, "Mom, how many podcasts do you watch?" <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> that's how you know people are still getting into it. Yeah, they're just like, it's crazy. These people are so raw, long content. Yeah, they long read content. The ca- they, they read, read the, the advertisements. It's weird. All right. Well, thanks for watching, guys. Love really you, appreciate hey, it. Hey, have a good week. Yeah, I'm gonna work on because it's working Sunday on night it. for us right now. Mm-hmm. I'm working all week too. It's tough, but um, I will meet you back here. I can't wait. Can't wait. See you then. See you then. And uh, bye. Bye. <laughs>